We're going to be looking today at the Gospel of John. This is a book that is rich with friendship and betrayal, with light and darkness, with life and light. In the opening chapter of the book, the author of John introduces the lead character with these words. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And this word beheld is carefully chosen. It's a word that actually comes from ancient theater, and it refers to someone stepping onto a stage so that they can be seen from all sides. And the idea here is that as Jesus steps into the earth, he puts himself on the stage, or perhaps we might say into the arena of life, because stages in Jesus's day were anything but polite. Actors could be expected to be booed and sometimes even pulled off the stage. And so as Jesus steps into the arena of life so that we can behold him from all sides, it's with the understanding that he will be misunderstood and mocked, that his body will be bruised and bloodied and broken. And so right from the very beginning, we have this powerful insight that there is theater that is going on, that there is something experiential in this book that we are meant to enter into to observe from all sides. When some of the people came to check Jesus out, he asked them a really important question. He said, what is it that you are seeking? And then when they responded, he said, come and see. And the Gospel of John is really a come-and-see book. It's the kind of book that's meant to be entered into in as many ways and as many times as possible. It is a book for seekers. It is a book that I return to time and time again when I'm seeking for something. And one of the things I love about it is it paints a picture of how Jesus understands our longings, our longing for wholeness and for purpose and for meaningful connection. In the Gospel of John, we see that he took his friends away on uh, long conversations by the seaside. He went to weddings and went to small gatherings. He created memorable adventures. As you may know, the Gospel of John is structured around seven meaningful conversations and seven important signs or miracles or wonders, as they were called. And then these seven statements, which are called the I am statements of Jesus. These are like metaphors or snapshots of Jesus's life and his mission that are embedded into stories so that we can behold him better. Enter into who Jesus is. Enter into this story experientially, as it were. And so a number of years ago, I felt prompted to do exactly that to spend a year with each of these I am statements. And so, for example, for a whole year, I hung out with Jesus, who is the light of the world. And as you can imagine, it was an incredible year with lots of candlelit dinners and looking at the stars and campfires. But also, you can't think about light very much, and you can't delve into light very much without also encountering darkness. And I encountered a lot of darkness within myself, and within the world. And so that year, like each of the seven years as I spent time in each of the I am's of Jesus, became times of both 
incredible joy and insight and also depth and perspective and some soul searching. And they were really significant years for me. And during that season, my goal was really to try to come as close as possible to Jesus, to seek him out, to follow in his footsteps. And so as you come this morning, or as you come to this passage today, what is it that you are looking for? Intimacy? Identity, maybe? Meaning? Courage? Freedom? Healing? Perhaps you're looking for God. Perhaps you're looking for yourself. And I would just like to invite each of us to bring whatever it is that we are longing for, whatever it is that we are seeking with us into this quest as together we enter into this seven-act play that Jesus calls, I am. Those two words, I am, are incredibly important. In Hebrew, they form the name that God gave when crafting a covenant with humanity. A name that is so infused with life that it can only be spoken with what's sometimes known as breath sounds, Yahweh, and yet was so mysterious and sacred that for thousands of years the people of God wouldn't dare to breathe that name aloud. It is a name so complex that scholars still struggle to figure out what it means, and yet so simple that a child, a young child, would use those words countless times throughout the day. I am hungry. I am thirsty. I am lonely. I am here. But even as I say those words aloud, I realize that they are not as simple as they might sound, are they? There's something powerful about those words. I am. It's a name that means I am who I am. I will be who I will be. I am self existent, yet ever-present among you, and desiring relationship with you. John is making sure that we understand that the same God who traveled with the Israelites through the wilderness and dwelled with them in the Old Testament, tent of meeting, this same promise-keeping, culture-shaping, transcendent, yet God-dwelling with us, I am, is now tenting amongst them again, this time made visible through Jesus. Unlike the other gospel accounts, as you may know, the gospel of John doesn't actually start with the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. But the whole book, the whole story, could hardly be more saturated with incarnation, with Christmas God with us-ness. I anticipated that my first year with Jesus I Am, which is Jesus' I Am the Bread of Life, John chapter 6, would be amazing. Baking bread and pretzels and buns and visiting bake shops with friends. And there was a lot of that. But to experience bread is also to be stretched and sometimes to be pummeled. It is to reflect on the deep hungers that I had hidden under layers of busyness and the deep hungers and the real hungers of the world around me bread. Even in our gluten-conscious world today, it's difficult to think of anything more central to the comfort of hungry people. 
and few things share such a lengthy history. Bedouins in desert wastelands, Vikings in longboats, royalty in castles, revolutionaries in the streets, prisoners in jail, artists in drafty lots, lofts, and uh, business people in Manhattan skyscrapers, children in war-torn countries, all have longed for, have sought for, and lovingly eaten bread. While our cravings may appear to be diverse, at their core, I believe that our greatest desires are to be full, to be loved, to know and to be known, to be part of something that is important and is bigger than ourselves. And perhaps it is because these are so important to us that we both run towards them and flee from these very things. And so again, I wonder, what is it that you hunger for? Jesus speaks to us from the pages of John's Gospel, and he invites us to a table that is wide. You know, some form of bread is found in almost every culture, and the importance of bread to early societies could hardly be overestimated. There's evidence of bread ovens dating back at least 8,000 years. Economies rose and fell with the price of bread. In early Babylon, corn served as a basic unit for weight, and cereal was used for money in places of commerce. From the very earliest time, the words for bread and the word for food were almost synonymous. But in some cultures, for example, in ancient Morocco, the word for bread was the same word as life. Bread was integral to life. Roman rulers referred to bread and circuses, the two things that they thought that the populace needed in order to keep them healthy and happy and quiet. I grew up in a family whose language was peppered with the language of bread. Expressions like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Or it's important to know which side of the bread is buttered. Or the daily ground. My dad made sure that we knew that to loaf around meant that we were lazy, but that those who were breadwinners were those who worked hard. Recently, both my husband and I lost our jobs. And moving to find work, we found ourselves in one of the breadbaskets of the world. We arrived in the fall to fields that were ripe onto harvest, and combines that drove in unison across these vast expanses of wheat and oats. As grain elevators filled, trainloads of produce headed east and west to feed the nations. And then winter set in. Now, I thought I was used to winter, living as we had on the edge of the north in Ontario. But this was a cold that hurled itself at you. Just when we thought we could take no more, the weather turned. The fields greened again into seas of shimmering color. Soon they were ready for harvest. We had experienced one full cycle. And that's when I had the chance to go gleaning gathering sheaves of wheat to make a wreath along the edges of a field after the harvesters have gone through. And it was amazing. It was fun for about six or seven minutes. And then I began to experience just what hard work it is in the beating sun to gather a few grains of wheat left behind by the farmers. 
and walking in the footsteps of Ruth and Naomi and countless others that have gone before. Sweat pouring down my back and every part of my body sore. I began to appreciate what was involved when elderly widows rose day after day after day to glean grain for themselves and their families. I began to reflect on how generous and faith-filled it was for the farmers to leave a little bit of extra in the corners and along the edges so that the poor would have something to eat. And I began to really consider how wise God is to use bread, such a staple of life, to paint a daily picture of a worldview that not only acknowledges our interconnectedness, but also infuses the ordinary with the sacred. Tracing Jesus, the bread of life through scripture is multi-layered and fascinating, taking us from manna in the wilderness, through wheat fields and threshing floors, into the very manger in Bethlehem, where we find a defenseless babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, the Christ child in an animal feeding trough filled with grain in Bethlehem, which means the city of bread. All of this sets the stage for Jesus feeding the 5,000, the story in which Jesus, the I am, the bread of life statement is embedded, where he says, don't labor for bread that doesn't last. I am the bread of life. A few chapters later, in the very heart of the Gospel of John, he will pick up this thread again and say, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. This insight was perhaps intended to prepare the disciples for the unexpected that was to come. But could anything prepare them? Could anything prepare us for what Jesus was about to do? Festive Jewish meals always began with a blessing over the bread and the wine. These two staples of everyday life were also deeply symbolic of trust and relationship and the safety nets that healthy communities provided for the most vulnerable. The word companion is a Latin word meaning with bread or the one who I break bread with. The word communion means union or that which is common to all. It is symbolized by the one cup one bread, one body, one bride. Communion proclaims that God is not distant, but rather someone who has joined us on our path, who has become our companion. And so we see that Jesus's first of the seven I am statements features bread. Turns out that his last talks about vineyards and wine. Bread and wine bookends of the iams, staples of ancient life, sacred symbols at the Father's table, ancient tradition, and future eschatology, our physical need for sustenance, our soul's need for salvation and companionship. To be human is to hunger. So I ask us again, what is it that you are craving? For Jesus invites us to the table. Jan Richardson, one of my favorite authors, has written a beautiful poem, and I'd love to read just a short excerpt from it here. The poem is called, And the Table Will Be Wide. 
and the table will be wide and the welcome will be wide and the arms will open wide to gather us in and our hearts will open wide to receive. Now I know that it can take courage to come. It can take courage to open wide. It can take courage to receive. As Father Peter John Cameron writes, the Lord's 40-day fast in the desert taught him firsthand that to be human means being hunger, being thirst. Every time we break the bread, we enact something very significant. Now fast forward several centuries later to old Anglo-Saxon times. The word Lord comes from the word loaf, ward, and the word lady comes from the word loaf, kneader, that, uh, the one who needs the bread, the one whose servants produced what her husband was responsible for distributing. Well, this language came a long time after Jesus. There's something, I think, really interesting in this story. Because in medieval times in England, as you may know, there was a clan culture of loyalty. The loaf ward and the loaf kneader pledged allegiance to their people. They pledged to provide food, to provide for them. And in exchange, the people pledged their allegiance as they knelt before their Lord, they were in effect saying, the things that matter to you will matter to me. I will obey you. I will follow you. If necessary, I will give my life for you. And it was this reciprocal relationship of provision and protection that mirrors the Old Testament covenant language that we've been referring to. Recall that the covenant name of God is Yahweh. Lord, Jehovah, the highly relational name God gave when he promised that he would be Israel's God and they would be his people. It speaks of deep and timeless loyalty and allegiance. When the people followed him, they were in effect saying, what matters to you will matter to us. We pledge our allegiance to you. And God in response said, I will protect you. I will provide for you. What matters to you will matter to me. You will be my people, and I will be your God. And harvest after harvest, wheat was provided. Year after year, God's promise of provision was fulfilled. Then in moments of miracle and wonder, Yahweh provided bread and meat via a raven to Elijah by the stream, and sweet-tasting bread from heaven to his people in the wilderness. And this bread, as you may know, was called manna which referred to the question that the people asked when they saw it. What is this? And the ordinary and the extraordinary. This time the question was not, what is it? But who is it? And the answer this time was, I am Jesus, the bread of life. Following in his footsteps, Jesus' followers feed the hungry in his name, not just because it is the right thing to do, although, of course, it is the right thing to do, but because, as Mother Teresa once wrote, we are called to be contemplatives in the heart of the world by seeing and adoring the presence of Jesus, especially in the lowly appearance of bread and in the distressing disguise of the poor. Jan Richardson's poem takes an unexpected turn as it moves toward the final stanza. 
when having, having received the bread, we become the bread. And having come to the table, we join hands in making it wider. We too become the builder. We too become the bread. I'd love to read that to you as we draw close to it at the end. And the table will be wide by Jan Richardson. And the table will be wide and the welcome will be wide and arms will open wide to gather us in. And our hearts will open wide to receive and we will become bread for a hungering world. We will become drink for those who thirst. And the blessed will become a blessing and everywhere will be a feast. The I am statements of Jesus are best thought of not as a linear chain, but as the joining of a circle in which each link illuminates all of the other. The thread starts in a garden filled with everything that was pleasant to the sight and good for food. It weaves through the Genesis 3 description of the disturbance of God's ideal and resurfaces time and time again as it both narrows and broadens our focus until the unimaginable happens when Jesus speaks the words, this is my body, which is broken for you. And the next day, that's exactly what happened. What is it that you hunger for? What is it that you crave? Jesus speaks to us from the pages of John's Gospel, inviting us to a table that is wide, a table laid at great price, and both costly and priceless in all that it offers. For at the table we both receive the bread from heaven and become God's bread on earth. Amen and amen.